Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing on this morning? All right. I'm glad you are here today. This is the perfect Sunday for you to be here as we start this new sermon series entitled Begin with the End in Mind. And if you guessed it, we are in the book of Revelation. Everybody say Revelation. Revelation. Uh, some of you say it's <laughs> There's no S in Revelation. All right, so if one thing you learned today is that there is no S in Revelation, so it's not Revelations 1 and 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there as we get ready to get started. But I'm glad you're here. If you're online watching us, we are glad you're here. We truly see if this is your first time here, you're not a guest, you're our gift. And we know God purposed you to be here regardless of where you're at. And so for those that don't know, remember, if you have questions, and there should be a lot of questions on Revelation, uh, but if you have questions... Please send your questions to this number. They'll pop up on the screen at the bottom during uh, the sermon as we go along. Amen? Amen. How was your Christmas break? It was okay. Mine was good. My son got a hoverboard from his grandmother for Christmas. Uh, all of his cousins have had one before, and so he's been wanting one, and she did that for him. And the thing about it is I watched him. We recorded him unwrapping his gift, and he opens it up, and before he even finishes unwrapping it. He says, Dad, I already know how to ride this. <laughs> I've never seen my son ride a hoverboard. And if you are probably over 25, you probably have never ridden one. They are hard to ride, right? They, the kids give this illusion that they're really easy, but they're not. And so my son says, Dad, I already know how to ride. I said, I'm thinking, mind, you've never rode one before, right? This idea, I was like, okay, whatever. He's like, can I ride in the house? No, because I don't know if you know how to ride it for real. And so we go to this big parking lot outside and I watch him struggle to get on it because it's on. And if you step on it the wrong way, it'll take off from under your feet. <laughs> and so I watch him kind of trying to get on. He doesn't know how to ride it, which I learned real quick. But he doesn't want to ask daddy for help because the pride and the I want to do this. I'm going to handle this on my own. I think he gets that from his mother, Sierra. <laughs> uh, but no, and, and so God reveals a lot through myself, through my son, of course. But, uh, and I'm watching him struggle with this. Like, he doesn't know how to stop, doesn't really know how to go quite yet. And this brand new hoverboard that he has, if you was to see it now, it looks like he's had it for a few months because he scraped it, he's fallen and all of that, and he doesn't want to ask daddy for help. And while I was watching him doing, I was sitting on the back of the truck just, just watching, just waiting for him to say, Daddy, help me, please. And I'm just watching and watching and and as God began to minister to me through watching my son, he said, you the same way. He get it from his daddy. <laughs> right? He get it from his daddy. And this idea that uh, we don't want to ask the father. We know we need him, but we're scared to ask the father what we need. Yeah. Amen? And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me that just struggles with that. But I, we're scared to ask for help. I was talking to, uh, one, after the first service, I was talking to Tate. And Tate says, he said, well, that's... It's, it's easy to not ask for help because, I mean, the directions are there as a last resort, right? And, and Chris said, well, maybe, or, or who was it? Somebody said, well, maybe that's just for the men. But, but this idea that we have instructions in front of us, the Bible, God's word, we have it in front of us, but we struggle. That's like last resort. It's not our first option. And so I, I gave us a few things that we struggle with when we're, we're dealing with this, when we resist. Uh, that Jesus is all we need because, well, we don't know his word. We don't read his word. We don't read it. We don't spend time in it. If only J4 would say, Daddy, I know you want to see me successful, succeed in this. I want to see you. I, you. I know you want me to be successful. Can you please help me? 
Because he kept asking me questions. Dad, how do I do this? I don't know. I didn't read the directions. You want to read them? I don't know. He's like, no, 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 I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. And he kept doing it, kept falling, kept allowing this, this hoverboard to roll over and over and over, kept jumping off of it, kept falling. That kept happening. But we don't read his word. Secondly, another reason we resist Jesus being all that we need is that we don't hear it. Sunday is the only time that we really get to hear the word. Outside of that, we're cool with going off of Sunday's message for the rest of the week. Because the enemy is coming to attack you on Monday, but we don't listen. We don't read. He's coming to attack you on Tuesday. That co-worker is going to get on your nerves, even from a distance. Some of us got virtual co-workers that are getting on our nerves these days. <laughs> right? The enemy is going to keep coming for you. You're going to keep falling. And all we have to say, God, help us. And lastly, we resist that Jesus is all that we need because we don't keep his word. It's hard to do something if you don't know how to do it. It was hard for my son to, to get on that hoverboard because he didn't know how to do it. He didn't ask for help. And so it's hard for us to do what God has called us to do if we're not reading it, if we're not hearing it, if we don't get it in us, how do we know how to put it out of us? And so the only thing that ends up coming out is what we are teaching ourselves. This brokenness, this, this falling over and over and over, this failure mentality, that's what is in us. And so that's where we're going. The book of Revelation, we're going to start uh, the series off, begin with the end of mind, this idea that, uh, of course, it's the end of the year or starting a new year. So why not start with the last book of the Bible? But why Revelation? Well, it's, it's beautiful. It's poetic. If you, it's intended for us as believers. And so I apologize in advance if you are not uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and that he died on the cross because this may seem hard. You may not be able to grasp and hold on to this. Because this was intended for believers. Like we are victorious. When you read through this, you, you hear about how Christ's second coming and him being victorious. And so I know for some of us, in, you, you hear Revelation and you think, dun, dun, dun. Like, <laughs> right, that's where your mind goes. But no, like we win. We win. And so if you pray with me as we get ready to go a little bit deeper into the word, Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing how you're doing it, God. And I pray right now that your message goes forth, that all we need is you. Every, everything we need to do is in you. Everything we need to know how to do it is in you, God. You are all we need. And I pray that you reveal that to us uh, in our individual ways of how we need to hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 1, and it reads, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must soon take place. Right there we uh, experience this God getting a word, or Jesus getting a word from God, and then him giving it to his servants. Uh, one of the things I want to point out that you'll see this, and I won't be able to call out all of these, but we're going to call it the revelation waltz. Y'all know what a waltz is? That one, two. Three, one, two, three, right? <laughs> this rhythmic cadence that you, when you're dancing, you'll see that throughout this first chapter of Revelation. In this first verse, you see the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Who was it given from? God. And who did he give it to? Us, his servants. There's three. Throughout this whole first chapter, you'll see this repeating, this poetic kind of rhythm that John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, has given us. Um, understanding that we as servants... And some of your Bibles may say bond servants, but it's just an idea that I chose to do this. 
I chose to willingly uh, follow Jesus Christ. I'm choosing to willingly partake and do what he does, follow in my follow in my big brother's footsteps. I'm choosing to do that. And it's just it's not a choice that I just choose. It's a choice that I choose to do daily. That's what it means. And so, no, 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 you're not you're not going to be able to handle it if if Jesus is just your Sunday kind of brother. You're not going to be able to handle this if, if the only time you open your word is, is to like, just blow dust off of it and for it to change the scripture to make it seem like it's been sitting on something new. It's time for what I feel God's calling us to is build this relationship to willingly choose God. He made it known. He made it known by sending his angel, his servant, to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that saw. Look at verse three. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his, this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who, who keep what is written in it. Oh, did I not? I switched. All right. And so you see that three again. Uh, blessed are those who read it out loud. Read. Blessed are those who hear it. And blessed are those who keep it. I'm telling you, like, this cadence of three. I'm not sure why John did it, but numbers are important in the book of Revelation. We see the number three. We see the number four. We see the number seven. That represents throughout the Bible completeness. We see the number 12. You see this all throughout, and a few of it in this first chapter. But what does he tell us? Blessed is the one who reads it. What does it mean to read? You literally need to read out loud. It's something about reading the word of God out loud. I, I watch how, and, and we, we struggle as a group collectively to, to partake in reading of God's word and the change it makes. And I know I'm, I'm guilty of this. Uh, and this is just me being vulnerable for a moment. First service didn't get this. You all get it because you are special to me. And it's, and it's just more of you. And, uh, but here recently over the past few months for 2020, because it's been a year for the history books, on, in, in 10, 15 years, it literally will be in the history books of what happened, right? Between the social, political, racial, pandemic, you just throw all, all this stuff in the year 2020. It's been a lot. And, and for me, I've had peace. I, I've been pretty good until there was one moment where it was just like back in May, June, June time frame, where it's like, God, I want a house. I don't want to rent anymore. I want to get a house. And I was like, well, Sierra and I was praying about what that would look like for us and how will we get through this? And we prayed a lot about it. Now, I can say that eh, it was, I was reading, yes, but I was, wasn't reading in the intentions of, like, God, fix this and, and work this out. Tell me what to do. And so in my mind, I said, all right, God, you're not moving fast enough for me. Let me take control of the wheel. I'm going to tell Grayson and Chris. And I sat down with them and told them, hey, look, I need another job. Like, I might have to work two jobs or something because I'm not making enough here. And there's things we're trying to do. We're trying to get a house. We're trying to go to school. There's a lot of things we're trying to do. And sat down with them. The conversation didn't go well. Uh, I think I left the conversation thinking to myself, eh, I don't want to work here no more. Honestly. You can laugh at it. I laughed a little bit now. But I was like, man, they don't get it. They don't understand what I'm going through. Like, I, I need a house. Like, I'm trying to go to school, and I don't make enough. And... It was like, no, we can't allow you to do that kind of thing. And like we seen you do it once, it was live, blah, 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 is what I heard, blah, 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 I don't want to hear it. Right? That's what I was. 
right? But that's how we do God a lot. God is trying to tell you what to do. And I call, I'm not calling them God, but I do feel that God was speaking through them in that moment. I just didn't want to hear it because it wasn't my way. It, was, it wasn't my way. So I didn't want to hear it. And I struggled heavily with it for a couple of weeks. And so the summer goes by, and I'm like, okay, God, well, if no is the answer, you know what it's going to be. You know, I'm not going to get the house I want. You know, I'll have to elongate the amount of time I'm living, uh, renting a room out of, or rooms out of my mother's home, uh, which I don't even like telling people that. But God said, this is where I want you right now. I said, God, that, don't, that ain't clicking with me. A lot of us are in places right now we don't want to be, and God's saying, I want you here for a reason. And it's hard for you to talk about it because if you look around and it feels like everybody else is moving forward and getting so far in their lives. And God said, this is what he tells me. I kept hearing him say, you got to read out loud the word. You got to hear it so you can keep it. You got to trust me. You got to trust that where I'm sending you is where I want you to go. It may not be easy. It may not be a smooth road, but you got to trust me. I'm taking you places. And as we were going through that, it, it came down and I was like, God, this just doesn't make sense. And I struggled with that. And so I, I, I'll tell you, the first point is that blessed are those who read, hear, and keep God's word. And the problem with that is the right now. Like, I want it right now. I, I want it right now, though, God, and you're not doing it right now. And, and I struggled with that so heavily because I felt like I was doing that. I felt like I was reading, I was praying, I was fasting. I was checking all the boxes. And we can get to a place to where we... We think that checking the boxes means that blessing follows immediately when I do that. That I did everything on your list, God, and, and I'm still stuck in the place that I'm at. And God is saying, that's not how it works. You keep spending time with me. You, you, you keep being intimate with me, and you'll understand that right where you're at is right where I want you to be. But you got to spend the time. Remember, this began with the end of my own. This, this is this business mindset where it's like I have my end goal. Now, what uh, habits, what, what am I doing to make sure that I'm walking in alignment to get there? I say that God is all I need. I say that. I believe it. But now, how are my habits kind of perpetuating this cycle of God is all I need? Do, do I get in my word? Am I praying or am I Netflixing and watching Blacklist? Did a whole lot all the time. And I don't even like the show. <laughs> it's the same. Every show is the same thing. <laughs> but we do that. Oh, I do that. I don't know what you do. <laughs> right? But we all have our things that we get into. Let's see what, what does John tell us. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Uh, so right now he's writing these letters to these seven churches. And we'll hear about them more in the coming weeks about what the word is that goes towards them. They're not the only churches at this time, but just understanding that that number of seven, this complete number, it is for all of us. It is for the believers. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Can y'all read that part? I'm gonna say that part, just that part. Who is and who was and who is to come. This right here, remember that three I told you? One, two, three, one, two, three. Like this thing, he keeps the pattern going and going. Who is represents that present he is right now. Who was is the past. And who is to come is the future that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Kind of, if you've ever heard that, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who is, who was, who is to come is this idea that he operates outside of time. Why? Because he is the creator of time. And so if you're anything like this guy here, what happens is you try to do a juggling act. 
uh, with God, saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you this much time, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go handle my business over here. And we're juggling, juggling, trying to juggle God. And what he wants us to get is that you can't juggle the balancer. Like, he's, he's design, he designed the game. Like, this, this life thing that we're living, he designed it. And so while you're trying to fit him in to your life, he's saying, no, 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 no. I got this. I got control of this. All you have to do is seek me first and watch me balance everything else out for you. If it's parenting that you're struggling with, seek me first. Not, not the book uh, that teaches you how to be the parent. Not, not all the, the friends and stuff. Seek me first and watch me balance it. If it's the marriage and the relationships, don't, don't seek your friends. Don't chase everyone else. He said, seek me first and watch me fix it. Seek me first and watch me do it. Seek me first and watch me handle it. And then all that other stuff will happen because there's no way that we can have a, our, our horizontal relationships can be successful if the vertical relationship isn't successful. Amen? Amen. Y'all finished? No, I didn't. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Again, I don't know why John chose to write so poetically with this one, but there go another three. You see it. The faithful witness, the firstborn, and the ruler of the kings. The faithful witness is this. Uh, earlier when he said, we talked about us, the word coming to us as bond servants. The faithful witness is he's the faithful witness. It's talking about him presently, actively, constantly being that faithful witness. It wasn't something that Jesus turned off. It's something that he did every single day. He pointed everything he did to the Father every single day. He was the faithful witness, the firstborn uh, from the resurrection. What does that mean? That he died, he conquered death, he defeated death, he took the sting out of death, right? Showing how much power he has, showing that he is all-powerful. But what that also tells us, because we are sons of the Father, is that we too will be the secondborn, the thirdborn of the resurrection. Like, we're, we're going to resurrect with Christ. And so this isn't the end. Our story doesn't end here. And so while we're really struggling or not struggling, we, we want the here. We want the right now. He says the hereafter is greater. We spend so much time trying to make sure we got the nicest stuff, the car, the job, the money, and everything right now. The hereafter is so much greater. This is just a blip of what will, a blip of what will be. What's to come? God says, I have more in store for you. Then it says he's the king, the ruler of kings on earth. And just so you know, this is also one of those past, present, future tenses. When you think of first the faithful witness, that's present. The firstborn of the, the dead, that's him rising from the grave. The, the ruler of kings, that's what's to come. He is the greatest ruler of all. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This picture being painted that he is all powerful. He is all. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, a collective together, priests to his, God, to his God and Father. Just a quick note for those of you who are really nerds, and you won't hear uh, us be, being described as the Son or, or Jesus, God being the Father towards us, in the sense of where it says, sins by his, to him who loves us and has freed us from his sins by his blood and made us kingdom, priests to his God and Father. When God is referred to as Father, it's only in relationship to Jesus. Throughout Revelation, that's where you're here. Throughout Revelation, that's where you're here. See, I put the S on it, just naturally flows off. <laughs> to him to be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold. Everybody say behold. Behold. And so whenever you see behold, that means listen up. 
something's about to be said or done. This is like the thesis statement of your paper, that main idea of the rest of Revelation. This is it right here, verse 7. It says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. He's coming back. Remember, we just came out of a series called Advent, where we talked about his first coming, Jesus being born and coming into this world. This right here is talking about the second coming. This is what Revelation is about, the second coming. And every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all tribes on the earth will wait on account of him. There's another three, just so you know. It's all throughout this. It says, even so, amen. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in this first chapter, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Y'all, this right here, uh, these are Greek letters. Greek alphabet is the first Greek letter and the last Greek, Greek letter. Not to be confused as like Alpha and Omega in fraternities and stuff for you <laughs> college people. But that's where they get it from. They stole it from the Bible. But he is the Alpha. He is the beginning and he is the end. And what this means, he takes these two extremes to explain this for us, is that he operates outside of time. Time submits to his will. And so in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he was thinking about Joseph Charles Aiken III. And in that moment, he knew that I was going to mess up. He knew that I would get frustrated with my pastors. I, I would be like, ah, they don't know me. They don't know my life. They can have this job. I don't want it anyway. Kind of when the enemy gets to talk to your mind, they don't love me. They don't know what's best for me. They're not looking out for my best interest. God operates outside of time and outside of my mess ups and outside of beside my mess ups and my shortcomings. He still said, I want you to walk this earth. I'm choosing you. I want you. And I want you to understand me, understand my power. And then he says it again, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. We are blessed when we read, when we hear, and when we keep God's word. This, if you haven't figured out, this is it. You're blessed. The blessing follows. The product of you reading, hearing, and keeping his word is blessing. And it may not be the blessing you want. It may not be. I, so fast forward a few months, uh, and I just came to the, I prayed, and I felt God saying, I'm, I know God's told me I'm supposed to be here. So as you can see, I didn't quit my job based on them not aligning with what I wanted, right? Because sometimes what happens is when it's, not our, when it's not my will, I'm gone. When it doesn't go how I want it to go, I'm out. And how can we get to a place where God is growing us and we're being patient and trusting in God and allowing him to take us to the next level if immediately when it doesn't go our way? Like little kids, we say, I'm out, I'm done. Because it was a point where my son, when he was riding his hoverboard, he got to a point where he was like, Daddy, can you help me? He did. Can you help me get on, Daddy? And in that moment, it's like, okay, now watch this. Now I start encouraging him and saying, hey, you got to do your right foot down to do this, left foot down. And I'm, I, he's able to hear the teaching that I'm teaching him because he was willing to ask for help. For some of us, it's just, just put your hand out. God, I need you. You ain't got to put your God, I need you. Just call on God, I need you in this moment. God, I need you where I'm at. God, I need you to handle this. He said, I was waiting for you to say that. I was just waiting for you to call on me. I was waiting on you to ask for help. I was waiting to take you to the next level. I was waiting on you to stop looking at what everybody else had and what everybody else was doing and focus on what I'm doing in your life. 
Focus on your beginning and not what they're doing, not what I've taken them through. Just you. But it's hard. And I get it. It's hard. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the, tri- in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on an island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, and this is good right here. Uh, he's, he's in this vision. He's, he's on the Lord's day he's talking about it, and he's hearing this revelation and what he sees when he turns, he sees Jesus. The gospel we, we, when describing Jesus is this meek and mild kind of Jesus, right? Maybe this soft spoken, this chill, like, yeah, whatever you like, kind of, that's, that's this picture that's painted. And we don't, we don't want to see it naturally how powerful he is because of the meek and mildness and the, him allowing himself to be beaten, him allowing himself to be hung up on the cross. Like, who would do that? And right here, we, we get this picture painted for us, this beautiful picture of who Jesus really is and the power that he operates in. It says his, his loud voice like a trumpet. When you think of trumpets, dun, 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 you think of royalty, his kingship, that power that follows that. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe. He's dressed like a priest. And with a golden sash around his chest. This right here is describing not just his priesthood, but when they wore it across their chest, it was, it was showing their, their judgment. They're sitting in this magistrate position. And so priests wore it around their waist as a judge. Him coming to judge the righteous, this picture that he's painted, is, is he's coming to judge those, all of us. Which side do you want to be on? The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. Two things come to mind. I'm going to tell you my personal experience with this scripture growing up in the church. Revelation was like the... It was like one of the hardest books to read. When I was seven or eight, I hear pastors preaching it, and you just, the, the fire and brimstone kind of position is where they came from. And even still growing up in a black church, and maybe it's just me, you can help me out with this, but they, they describe Jesus as being black because of this scripture right here, right? Because his hair was like wool. I don't know if you know, you can look around at some of our African-American <laughs> brothers and sisters. Our hair is a little bit more coarse. Fine, it's not as fine as you all, and they was describing Jesus. But right here, we see it's describing a color, not a texture, right? It was white like wool, right? It was like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Do you feel and see the power, the glory that is being described in who Jesus is? This is making reference. There are 404 scriptures in Revelation, 404. Out of that, over half of them make references to Old Testament pro- prophecies and Old Tef- Testament books and scriptures. This one in particular, when he's talking about the white, is talking about the ancient of days when you read this in Daniel. Similar prophecy, it comes up. But then it's talking about God, the Father. Here it's talking about God, the Son, Jesus. And the thing is, it's, it's saying, it's showing how he's imitating the Father. And we as believers are called to imitate our Father. And so while this gray hair in our age represents this wisdom, it does. But how can we're, we're following after Jesus Christ? And what he did and what he's doing, that's who we're trying to imitate. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like 
burnished bronze, refined in the furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. The reason is uh, shaped like a sword because he has the voice. He has the power. He's the one that can judge. He's the one that's coming. And his face was like a sun shining in full strength. Y'all, what this is, is, is teaching us and telling us this face, I, the first scripture that came to mind, and, you know, Krista, correct me if I'm wrong after this, but I, I, I was thinking of Moses when he went up to the mountain for 40 days. And he fasted and was up there with God, didn't eat. I don't even know if he slept up there. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I imagine he's worshiping. He's talking to God for 40 days. And when he came back down the mountain, everybody is looking at him like, oh, what's going on with this dude? And it's because his face is literally shining because of the time that he spent with God, literally, to the point where he had to wear a veil over his face. And we learn later in the New Testament that one of the reasons he had to wear a veil is because eventually that, that shine would fade because he was away from God. But we see this shine in Jesus Christ, right? This shine that's not going away, that is part of the glory of who he is, right? And that power that he operates in. He was who Moses was up there spending time. Like this idea of who he is, this glory that he operates in. Look at verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. I thought this was beautiful on both parts. When you think about John on the first part, how as soon as he saw Jesus, I know he, he, he paints this, this picture and describes him in all his glory, but he saw him immediately as he saw him, he fell to his feet. He couldn't move because he knew him. You see, you're wondering how, remember, this is what the word of God does to us. See, that first part, the scripture to me, the intro teaches us how to do it. And then, then the why and the what, it reveals his power. And then what we see happening right now is us, us seeing like when you know his power and you're experiencing his power, the only thing you can do is drop. I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the King of Kings. Everything changes in his presence. I can't say that my life is the same when Jesus is walking in it. Things change. Things are moved out my way because of who he is, not because of who I am. And it says, but while he was laying there, falling on his face out of fear, like he was dead, what happened? Here come Christ. Here come Jesus. Just laid his right hand on him and said, fear not. I am the first and the last. There's that beginning and the end. There's that alpha and omega. I am the first and the last. He said, and the living one. We are blessed when we read. When we hear and keep God's word, we are. That's the product of it. And so if you're wondering, like, what's going on in my life? Are you reading? Are you hearing? Are you keeping? And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I tell you, so with, with that story, I want a house. I still want a house. I'm not in the house yet. But one of the products of me being patient and me keeping the word and me being me listening and, and saying, I, I happened to be in a meeting that I wouldn't have been in if I was working two jobs. If they wouldn't have said no, I wouldn't have been in this meeting. And while sitting in a meeting, I met someone that I exchanged numbers with. And I exchanged numbers with this guy, and I reached out to him and said, hey, let's grab lunch. He's like, sure. How about tomorrow you come? I'm having a meeting with all these pastors. You can come sit down with us. I said, oh, I don't really want to go, but I'm going to go. 
marketing, networking, all that kind of networking, all that good stuff. So I go and I sit down in this seat. And it just so happens when I sit down, they say, well, that's uh, they tell me, they say, that's that's Joe's seat. You don't want to sit there. He always sits there. And they was jokingly saying, I was like, I'm going to just give up because I don't want any kind of problems. And I sit in another seat. And the guy, this guy sits ne- right next to me. And we begin to have a conversation. And as we're talking, I tell him, like, I'm trying to go to school. And I'm kind of telling him my, my story, my testimony, and different things. And he's like, really, where are you trying to go? So I'm trying to go to DTS. I'm like, oh, really? What are you going to major in? And I told him all that kind of stuff. And he says, you know what? I, I told him, I said, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. My, I've been praying about it. My pastor keeps saying, if it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's bill. So I'm expecting God to pay for it. <laughs> right? That's what Chris keeps telling me that. I said, I'm still waiting for it to show up because if it's not paid for, I'm not going. And I sit next to him, and as I'm sitting next to him, he's telling me, he said, well, guess what? The church that I'm going to has a scholarship. And he says, no one's used this scholarship in like five years. And it just so happened that it came across my desk on, on a Monday, and this was a Wednesday. It came across my desk on Monday, like, what are we going to do with this? It's just sitting here. I'm like, really? He said, you should apply to it. And I'm saying all that to say is that God has a plan. And I know I, I'm, I'm the biggest person to say that, that well, that's, that's your story. You hear somebody's testimony and hear somebody. And, I, and just so you know, I did get the scholarship. <laughs> right? I, I, I'll give you that. Right? And I, know, and I know it's God. And, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking stuff like that doesn't happen to me. And what God said, oh, it's been happening your whole life. He said, I've been covering your whole life. I've been protecting your whole life. He said, just because it didn't go how you wanted to go doesn't mean I wasn't in the midst. Wasn't, doesn't mean I wasn't changing things and maneuvering things and moving things around. And so as I begin to sit back, I begin to look over all that God had done in my life. And I begin to see different places where he's like, I put you here for a reason. Because if you weren't here, then this wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen. And so I, my challenge as we're kind of going through this is I want you to really see that once you, when you're reading and you're hearing and you're keeping his word, things will begin to change. Your outlook will begin to change. How you interact with people will begin to change. How you parent will begin to change. How you, how you love someone will begin to change. Your marriage will change. Things will change in your life. Look at verse 18. We're almost done. It said, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus talking about he, he conquered death. He took the sting out of death. He tells him, and this is the second time we hear it here, but we'll hear it throughout Revelation. He said, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, those that are and those that are to that take place after this. Verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in, the, in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And one of the things, and we'll go more into that next week. One of the things I feel God should, it, that first part says, ask for the mystery of the seven stars. That word mystery. Like there's things that won't be revealed to you unless you're a believer. Now with that, there's things in the word that can't be revealed if you're not reading the word. There are a lot of things in Revelation that you won't know about if you don't read throughout the Bible. Not just Revelation. There's things and that's why he tells us, hear it, read it, keep it, hear it, read it, keep it. You hear this throughout. You hear in, in two, chapter 2 and later, you hear those with ears to hear. You keep hearing that, those with ears to, ears to hear. And if you're struggling, you say, well, I don't, I don't know how to hear it every day. There's a Bible app. I call him Frank, and he reads the Bible to you. <laughs> Frank reads me the Bible all the time. I hear it all the time. He's reading it, and, and you hear that. Those with ears to hear, with ears to hear. You hear that throughout. Are you going to hear it on this morning? Are you going to hear it? And so 
No question. Just a statement. Read here and keep God's word. Read here and keep God's word. And I know, I get it. It's hard. I said my son, he asked for help. And, and now I watch him in two days, not even two days of having it. His, because he was willing to ask for help, I see the difference in, from point A to point B. I see the difference in how he maneuvers around and is able to slowly, his, that muscle memory is starting to happen because he trusts daddy to help him. He's spending time in it. And I'm right there, right, right there next to him. And things begin to shift and change in his mind. And it's the same habits with your walk with Christ. The longer you're walking with him, the, 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 the more you're walking with him, the more you're in your word, the more you're reading, the more you're hearing, the easier it gets to keep it. The easier it gets to do it. The easier it gets to operate in it. The easier it is to trust them when it gets hard, when you lose the job, when you lose a level, when you lose things, when, it, when it's hard, when you're having this tension in your relationship, like, ah, oh, God, this is the woman you sent for me. When those things happen, you say, well, let's read together. Let's hear together. Let's keep this together. And, and, and how do we do this? If you're a believer, we know. We want to make sure that when we go to, he, he died on the cross for our sins. He did it. For me, when the scripture says his blood covers me, that's what God sees. That's what God sees. And so right wherever you're at, you can believe that. You can trust in that. You can bank on that. I was in a text thread with my cousins over the Christmas break, and my brother, for those who haven't met him yet, he's big into fitness, bigger than me into fitness. And one of the things my cousin said, she said, well, I want to make sure that... uh, I get my, founda- my workout foundation right before I work out with y'all. I said, that's crazy. That's like saying I'm sick, but I'm not going to go to the hospital. Like the very person that can fix you is the one you don't want to go to. You want to try to get right before you can get right. And God is saying, I died on the cross so you can get right. My blood was shed so you can get right. My body was broken so you, you can get right. So you need me to get right. And so on that night that he was betrayed, he took this. He took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood. It was just shared for you in the new covenant. This is it right here. And so as you're thinking about that, as we begin to meditate on that, and we begin to pray, I want you to think about all that God has brought you through. And guess what? You're not good enough, but he is. You can't do it by yourself, but he can. He's God all by himself. I don't care what you're going through. He can handle it. He can handle it. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you because we need you. God, we need you to show us exactly how to do it. God, we need you to direct us on this path. God, we need you to handle what we're going through. We need you. And God, I ask right now that as we're praying and we're thinking that I pray that you would challenge us. God, you would challenge us through relationships to read your body more, God. You would challenge us through our relationship with you, God, to hear the word of God more, God. You would challenge us through our relationship with you to keep. God, right where we're at, uh, God, we we acknowledge that, God, that that is our end goal in needing you, our, our middle goal God, and if we operate from a position of always needing, always leaning into you, God, you will be 
okay, not because everything will go according to our plan. God, but we know you're on God, we love you. God, we thank you. We praise you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. So if you have your, your cups, it should be on the chairs in front of you. It might be in your chair, wherever you're seated. seated. Uh, take the bread out. Um, on that night, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. which has been given to you. He said, take for our sins. God, I thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for me. God, I thank you that Jesus Christ didn't stay there. That he rose with all power, God. God, the glory that he operates in, the strength that he operates in, God, he is all power. God, you are the Tell us a 